0: Namaste and welcome. I am Jainil Dalal and you are listening to The Design MBA, which is a real-life MBA for designers. You will learn how to launch a side hustle and level up your design career from interviews with rockstar designers. Today's amazing guest is Graeme Blackwood. Graham is the head of design at Argent let me tell you this Argent is one of the best wallets you can have for buying and storing your precious cryptocurrency. I personally use it, it's one of the best out there. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, but do check it out. Um, but Graham is not only the head of design at Argent, but he is, in a truest sense, a multidisciplinary designer. Yes, not only does he like to design for digital things, but he also loves design of analog things like clocks, hats. Oh, and he's an amazing drummer. So without further ado, Graham, welcome to the show, my friend. That's uh, quite an intro. Thank you, j Neil. Great to be here. Yeah, uh, my brother is a drummer. Um, he used to drum a lot, but uh, I think his current apartment doesn't, the policy there doesn't let you have a drum and just keep blasting it off. No, so...
1: no not, if you've got a full acoustic kit, I think your neighbors <laughs> in an apartment block are going to probably break down your door and try and hurt you very much. So. <laughs>
0: And he, yeah. and he he did say there was like a digital version of the drums where you kind of wear your headphones and so you can't hear it, but you got to put in the headphones and you just like, just play the drums, but you can't and hear the... It's not this, it doesn't feel the same, obviously, but... That's exactly what he said. And so I'm going kind to of curious about your journey. Um, when did you realize that design is for for you? Like, when did you realize that, hey, growing up as a kid, as a child, maybe later on in your life... When did you come to the realization that design is my calling? Yeah, it's a really tough one, really. I mean, I,
1: I have to go back, I think, to my parents. My mum is, um, she's an architect, and she also sculpts, I think, a couple of, well, that's not that one, but there's some sculpture in the background, actually, of hers. Um, and she always kind of instilled this creative stuff. She was always doing creative stuff with us. Um, and always encouraging it she's also a musician and stuff and i think that's where all my musical interests come from as well um my dad is an engineer he's a he's an aeronautical engineer um but he so he designs flight simulators for pilot training but he does the software side of it so he always had computers i mean i think he he's had computers since the 70s so i was i was born into a household which had computers from from birth really from a very young age and i was always kind of exposed both to this engineering kind of computer science side from my dad and then this kind of creative side from my mom um and i used to spend a lot of time gaming you know i remember playing texas instruments games like you know i think it was maze or amazing or something like that it was like a cat and mouse game and stuff um right the way through to kind of commodores and amigas and all that sort of stuff and so i was always gaming a lot i think i wrote my first like basic program, Hello World, when I was eight years old on a Commodore 64, I think. Um, but so all, all the while in parallel were these kind of two tracks, engineering, kind of coding, science, gaming, and also this creative stuff, I would draw a lot, I'd paint, you know, all these sorts of things. Um, and my assumption was that I would, that I would go into some kind of computer thing because I've spent a lot of time on on the computer. Um, and around the age of 13, I, I built my first website again, it was for a game. And I think that was back in 98 or something. And then because very few people had websites around then I started getting interest from kind of friends who ran companies or family friends and stuff. And gradually like business colleagues of theirs started to, you know, I started end up doing websites for these people and freelancing and stuff. Um, But it was all kind of code. Well, I mean, there's there's a degree of creativity you have to do when you're creating a website fully yourself. Um, But really, I assumed that I was going into full into sort of a full code-based sort of you know much more into the hardcore and the depths of becoming an engineer and a developer and stuff. And I went to Canada in 2001 and met someone out there. uh, a lady called Jackie, and she is a sculptor and an artist and a. I think she did a lot of film set design. Jackie Bagley, her name is, and um, I just kind of it was uh, in that, at that point something kind of sparked off in me that I just thought, hang on, like I don't just want to be doing code. I I want to do this creative stuff. This is this is actually kind of who I am. Um, I realize I realize now that actually it was both, but but we can get to that and. And it was at that point, so I was probably around. Uh, I did just sort of kind of guess. I'm not going to do the working up about 15, 16, something like that. And then I came back and I thought, okay, I need. I now need to kind of shift away from this kind of computer science and start doing graphic design, and fully understand, you know, learn all the kind of software and all the tools and stuff. So that's where I pivoted into graphic design, and then eventually I came full circle back into engineering.
0: I was also, <laughs> yeah i was also in canada from 2000 to 2002 um okay it, so i was in india before then i moved there for two years and yes. uh very in canada by the way i was in toronto i was i was in i was in calgary oh nice it nice. was only for like a six, eight, six to eight week period
1: over the summer but it was uh it was a really really kind of good time yeah that is amazing Went to the stampede and everything fun
0: in canada i'll tell you this yeah. i love the place but the weather, like coming from India, man, I love the warm weather. And let's um, just say that the cold in Toronto, oh, my God, it, it got crazy. Yes, yeah, yeah. I've not experienced that. I was in the summer. so <laughs> Lucky you. So yeah. you're doing graphic design. You're doing a lot of this design work, you know. How on earth does one end up from the graphic design realm to being a designer in crypto? Like, like what made you join Argent?
1: Yeah, so I've always been attracted to, I think because of that engineering side and you know that computer science side, I've always been attracted to kind of pretty interesting problems and, and purposeful stuff as well. But it, that said, originally I just wanted to kind of work for companies where the clients were household names. So that was my, after I got out of university, I did three years of a design degree and I got out of university and i was just looking or initially actually i was look, i was hoping that my band was going to get signed and we we're going to go on tour and tour the states and stuff but uh, eventually i just thought you know well, i'm not going to hang around waiting for this to happen and i should actually get a job so i got a job working in a in a kind of a code shop it was um a little company that uh built websites and and apps for people web apps and stuff and um gradually found my way through to getting kind of more household name clients. And then eventually um, I uh, I moved to Moscow for, I was intending to move there for quite a long time, but for all sorts of reasons, we came back early. Um, and then after I got back to the UK, I found myself working for the, U- the UK government in, um, in the tax office, in fact. And it's, so it's like the IRS, it's called HMRC, Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs. Very, very fancy name, but it's like the IRS in the States. And um, I was designing, I was on a team that was designing the fraud detection system, the cyber fraud detection system It was transaction monitoring. We were monitoring every transaction that flowed through um, every tax submission, every every benefit claim that flowed through HMRC, we, we monitored basically. Um, and we looked for any kind of anomalies and we ran machine learning on it and stuff. And we're trying to catch anyone who was trying to defraud the taxpayer or defraud the government.
0: So this was all the work for the Russian government. Were you in Russia?
1: No, no, no. This isn't Russia. This is back in the UK. No, no, no. Not oh, okay, Russian okay. government.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> we might, might want to clarify that. Clarify that. No, no. This is, so I, so I was out in Russia for like six months, and for for all sorts of reasons, like we had to come back early. um We were planning to be there for for several years, but we didn't. And then I came to work for the UK government. Well, I mean. You can imagine how the UK, because I was working in a high security environment, I had to be cleared, security cleared and stuff. Oh my God. How, how fun that was when, when i just come back from Russia.
0: You're like James Bond, you have all this like security level of clearances.
1: Yeah, well, they, they weren't happy about my, my having been in Russia for quite a while and, and everything, <laughs> oh my but God. I got the clearance eventually. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I know this is a like a slight tangent, but I always thought that if you got a security level clearance, like, oh my God, you're a special one. There's like a special terminal. You can log in with a security clearance and then you can access like some, I don't know, like top secret stuff. I mean, is that just like movie stuff, Bond stuff?
1: No, I mean, I think there's, there's a degree of truth in that. It depends on your level of clearance, um, but it's it's more that you have to be cleared in order to be allowed to access certain records and have so you know because the, the if you like the access that i had to information about customers was quite high and so i needed to be cleared for that um but as i say because i've been in russia they were very interested in knowing a lot about me in order before they were prepared to give me clearance so they had they asked okay. very very personal questions they to go into kind of very deep <laughs> level of um, information sharing before they were allowed to, before they were prepared to.
0: So I, I stopped you as you were saying that you were doing a lot of fraud monitoring and detection um, for the UK government.
1: Yes, exactly. So so we were doing we were so I I basically um, was part of the team designing the transaction monitoring system for all all of the money that flowed through the revenue the tax revenue service HMRC and. Wow. Um and so I think I think that's about uh I think that to give you an idea, it's roughly about kind of five hundred to six hundred billion pounds. So it's like like a year. That's kind of how much money flows through the tax service. And that's that's kind of what we're talking about. So it's a, you know, I don't know how much that is in dollars, but probably seven, eight hundred million uh, seven, eight hundred billion dollars roughly that flows through it. Just in terms of reporting and and money going in, in and coming out and stuff. Um, and so you can imagine there's a lot of fraud and there's a lot of error but we were focused specifically on the fraud and in order to do that job because we were we were like this kind of all-seeing eye over the whole tax system i had to understand and had learned about m- almost all of the tax system like i had to go quite deeply into kind of companies tax and personal tax and really understand all the benefit system and stuff course, let, I mean, me, I, let me let me
0: let me stop you right there you said that you had to almost be an expert on taxation in the uk like you had to learn about the tax code for companies, individuals. Why do you yeah. have to do that? What if you just, I mean, you're a designer. I mean, a lot of times designers don't have to learn all the technical stuff, but why did you have well, to learn and want to learn yeah, about I mean, that? It's, it's a good,
1: yeah, it's a good point. So I didn't have to. It was really that I, by osmosis, because I was going out and meeting the experts to understand their job, to understand how best to build the system to serve their needs. I ended up sitting next to them whilst they, and I said, okay, well, like, show me how you, how you make a determination that something's fraud or not fraud. And so they would talk me through the whole process. Well, this is how the tax works, and this is the sort of thing we see. And you know, this is something called carousel fraud, which is, you know, where VAT companies pass on the, the VAT allowance and stuff. And then someone goes walkabout with the money and stuff. And they, they teach you really how to spot stuff. And over time, I just picked it up. Um, and for, for the kind of, the majority of the time i was there i really really believed that we would be able to plug all the holes where all of this kind of money was being stolen or there were being you know it was all disappearing and flowing out of the out of the tax system we'd be able to s- plug all of these holes and then the money would be used for for what it's supposed to be used for for helping people and for health and social care and stuff and that was my kind of purpose that was my driving purpose behind being there but after 3 years of being there i realized that the organization itself is so massive and the tax service and the taxation system is so complicated that you're never going to, you're never going to escape and you're never actually going to, it's just the kind of, you're going to be on this treadmill forever.
0: And the criminals are also smart. The people who want to avoid those, uh, like who want to make fraud, they're also very smart too. <laughs> it is. Mass,
1: absolutely. And so it's, it's constantly changing. Um, I mean, I dread to think how much fraud was, in the you know the um checks the the checks that they sent out in the states that was probably f- rife with fraud. I suspect that the checks like like some of the benefit stuff that they gave in the uk was rife with fraud as well. I dread to think um yeah, and so I kind of thought well actually uh, the more i the more I understood about the tax system and the way that the that money works and the way that government is funded, the kind of the more disillusioned I became really I was like this is just it's just a complicated mess, and what as as those thoughts were forming, we were we were in the two thousand and seventeen kind of bull run, and I'd been kind of dabbling with crypto a little bit and getting really excited and really curious about all this stuff and took part in a few ICOs and got wrecked and you know all all of the kind of craziness that was going on back then.
0: And what does wrecked mean right away? Uh, wrecked, wrecked means you lost, lost money. Lost all my money. <laughs> lost okay. all my money.
1: Um, and so so come the end of 2017 i'd sort of fulfill the things i felt that i wanted to do at hmrc in the uk government and um, a friend who was also on my team introduced me to itamar who had been looking for a designer and so we started talking got on really well and that's how i kind of fell in i i I kind of some of the things that i had been experiencing when i had been going through all these icos and realizing like having to sign a transaction to set the gas limit on ethereum and all this insane stuff I was like this has got to change like people are saying crypto is the future this is not the future this is just this is just pure insanity so when i met itamar and itamar pitched me what he was wanting to achieve with argent getting rid of seed phrases you know not having to worry about gas um and making it feel like a kind of a neobank but with crypto it's fully decentralized non-custodial neobank I was i was like okay this is what i've been looking for this is this is solving all the pain points that i've had when i've been doing these icos and trying to buy crypto and trying to explore ethereum so so you know where do i sign basically um and at the same time so that was one side of it and the other side of it was actually the the purpose i'd realized was i like we're not going to solve this from the inside of government there are too many vested interests there's there's too many um too many fiefdoms really inside government where everyone has their own little bit and they're not interested in in solving problems really they're interested in in saving for their retirement and keeping keeping the control of their little domain and so i thought well let's give it a shot changing it from the outside and let's let's build a completely parallel system called crypto which is going to be really hard to censor actually i've written some stuff on tax um on my medium blog around how hard it will be to tax this stuff eventually as well. And and the impact that will have on government. And I think it will force change. And so I was like, okay, I, can't, I haven't been successful in changing from the inside. So I'm going to try and force change from the outside. And that's kind of what led me full, full circle into crypto. is As well as my own personal experience with crypto and wanting to solve some of the obvious pain points like C phrases and stuff. So that's how I found my way into it.
0: Now when you're talking to Itamar who is the one of the founders and CEO of Argent how relevant was your understanding of crypto or at that stage if even if you didn't know anything about crypto he would have still hired you do you think that played a big role in 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 just like him hiring you the fact that you had an understanding of crypto
1: I think I'd have to ask him but yeah I mean when in in the first little coffee that we had together when I, when I pulled out my ledger and I said, I've got one of these, I think, you know, back then that was pretty unusual. It was unusual enough yeah. to find someone that had one, but to find a designer that, that actually was, had been using crypto Absolutely. and had a ledger. I think that was pretty surprising for him. Um, and I'm sure that it helped that I had some kind of understanding, but also the, the work I've been doing monitoring transactions, right? Crypto is all about transactions. So yep. it was, it was, I would just done three years of very relevant work. Albeit in the tax service, but but it's all kind of very related in terms of the the sorts of things that I was looking at the data, um the way that transactions were flowing and stuff, and it was the same sort of thing in crypto. So, so yeah, I think it was. I, I guess if someone had come from banking, maybe a desi- a designer that had worked into some kind of banking app, that may have been just as good. But yeah, I'm sure that have, finding finding a designer that was into crypto was probably quite unusual, and he was probably quite pleased. But you'd have to ask him. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so now that you are the head of design at Origin, growing your team, hired people, looking to hire people in the future, I'm going to ask you questions that a lot of designers want to ask and that I've heard in private conversations, but it's like, they don't want to like sound like stupid or greedy or whatever the right adjective is. and. I don't give a damn. I'm just going to ask you. And I would love to hear what you think about these assumptions I have. And, and, and what I mean by that is, for reference, this is 2022. So I'm talking in, in regards to a designer wanting to get into crypto in 2022. So obviously things have changed from when you got into, you know, uh, design world as a crypto designer versus now. So just, just for context.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been like almost four years since I... Started, which seems crazy now. I mean, I, I, I don't. I, I've always thought for kind of OGs. I mean, the, the true OGs are like 2012 or whatever, 2011, maybe even earlier. But uh, you know, some of the with this new bull run, apparently, I'm considered OG you now. It's like, how does that? Work? You are.
0: Sense. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So in 2022, Graham, I want to join crypto, but I don't have any crypto experience. Maybe I have some big Fortune 500 company names on my resume. I don't know, the Googles of the world, the Ubers of the world. Do you think that's enough? Or how important do you think today, understanding of the blockchain cryptocurrency is important if I want to get a job as a crypto designer? I don't think it's necessary
1: to understand the blockchain and crypto. um, Because I think that, well, there are aspects of it which are issues for designers just because they haven't really been solved by the engineers yet um it's it's hard to kind of uh, go into a few examples but ultimately if the way i see it is that if we want crypto to succeed if we want non-custodial censorship resistant money to succeed it has to be 10 times better than what we have today that's centralized and custodial i.e the banks hold your money for you they can stop you taking it out And so if we are limiting ourselves to what blockchain does today and and all of the quirks and limitations and irritations of blockchain today, then we're never going to get 10x and we're never going to actually achieve that promise. So for that reason, I don't think it really matters if as a designer, you don't understand this stuff, the blockchain specifically, because you shouldn't really have to. And... I, I in some ways, I think maybe designers that don't understand are at an advantage because they'll be asking questions. They'll be asking the question, why? Why do, why does oh, that? You know, when yeah. an engineer says, we can't do that, a designer should should say, well, why can't we do that? They shouldn't just lie down and accept. And maybe if they know too much about the blockchain, maybe they'd be more willing to accept that it's an issue, but actually it shouldn't be, and it should be solved. And so designers need to kind of trust their instinct, I think, and push back hard. Unfortunately, this is why a is to the right from the top the founders themselves are are of the same attitude and don't just accept that a certain way of doing things is the right way of doing things And, and so we're all kind of singing from the same hymn sheet beating the same drum but yeah i don't think designers should worry about that
0: that's an amazing take that i that i've you know heard because my assumption was that in such a hot market where you know, um, the demand I see for crypto designers is high from what I'm seeing, and to me, it seems like if one has domain expertise, it might give them an edge, but I also see your point about you know if they don't have domain expertise, they're gonna ask you know um beginner level questions and challenge the assumption. but if I'm gonna be a designer in crypto and I'm designing for those users. Is it not like a lot of work for me to just get onboarded up to speed? Like what's going on? And like the industry is moving so fast. Like how do you deal with that? Like every day there's some new development. There are some, there
1: are some concepts, which I think for a new designer, a bit strange. So if you take the the idea of tokens, like I remember thinking, you know, years ago, what's it, what's the t- why are they talking about tokens? What's an ERC 20 token? Um, and not really understanding what that was. Now, really, in most cases, a token is just a share of something. There are different things. Are like a token that represents a, a dollar equivalent or a pound equivalent. They're called stable coins. Um, and they are different types. They're different flavors of that. Like there's USDC, which is backed backed by dollars. Backed Well, in, in most cases, it's backed by dollars. But then you have DAI, which is a an algorithmic stable coin which is backed by crypto itself um and by backed it means that it the the value of say let's say you have ethereum that's um the the value of the ethereum that is then kind of locked up and and deposited based on that you're then allowed to draw out a an an amount of this stable coin it's a bit like having a mortgage of a house um and and when you mortgage your house you can then release some money from the house in form of cash and do what you want with it. And so, so you have this, this equity that's locked up this kind of collateral, which is your house. But in the case of DAI, it's Ethereum or, or some other coins as well. Um, but so there are different flavors of these, of these stable coins, but basically they're all just tokens. And then the majority of tokens are some kind of share, even if they're called a governance token, it's kind of, it's, it's a, it's a share, but with no dividend off it. Um, and so it is possible to if if you come from if you have any kind of experience in any kind of shares or stocks or shares, then it's very easy, I think, to translate that over. If you had no experience in any kind of trading or any kind of banking or any kind of um foreign exchange, like even if even just swapping money between yeah. currencies and stuff, like all of that helps, I think. But if you've not done it, very of that, challenging. Yeah, you might find it a bit more challenging just because it's it is very financial and that's that's the only kind of caveat i suppose to to what i've what i said before
0: because the reason i'm asking you this question is because i think that argent is hands down one of the best designed wallet experiences out there um even for people who are just getting started out there's so a kudos to you and the team and you know i i see your activity on twitter i've, I've had conversations with you before this and it is very clear to me that you are continuously updating your knowledge with the latest developments in crypto. What are things happening? And, and because you're doing that, the experience at Argent is keeping up to date with that. I can see that in the experience that you're thinking ahead, you're up to date. And, and this is very different from, let's say, if you're working or designing some tools for some hundred-year-old company, like a regulated industry. Things are not changing overnight. You go in, you do your job, and you're out. Like, that's it. Yes, I think that's probably fair. But this yeah. is different, right? Would you say that? This is a little bit different from that? You can't just come in and do your thing and not expect to update any of your knowledge, especially if you're working in crypto? No,
1: like, like yeah. you. I think it's if you have a team around you that is like a product team, that someone has to understand it at the end of the day. So, you know, if you have a product manager they're going to be the ones that understand it and you end up just getting told what to do. If as a, if as a designer you're satisfied with that and not fully understanding the reasons behind something um, and the reasons why you're being told by your product manager, just do this, then okay. But I would argue that if you want to design something successfully and you really want to solve problems, you kind of need to understand what the problem is fully. So, Yes, there is. I think if you want to get into this space and you want to be effective and successful, then yeah, you need to be prepared to to read a lot and and really immerse yourself. And not just read. I think try all the protocols. You know, do some swaps on Uniswap, um, send some money between a, a Ethereum and an exchange, and do some investments. And you know, you're going to lose money probably um you might also gain some money you may get an airdrop which may you know may cancel out yeah. all of your losses and um but you will learn a lot and as you start to do that you'll start to kind of appreciate how how things work and why they work but um there are kind of there's, there's a deeper level as well of understanding i think that i aspire to and that's kind of getting into like the protocol level, and to understand why things like CK rollups, zero knowledge rollups, are are a better solution to a competitor L1 chain to Ethereum. I'm sure that some of the listeners probably don't even know what I'm talking about, um, but it matters. But but it matters though. It really matters. If, if you're if you're wanting to, if your objective is to achieve decentralization and censorship censorship resistance, then you need to understand. How, that, how certain technologies or certain um, approaches to, you know, wh- which technologies you go, are you going to invest in as a team? Now, the designer doesn't have to understand that, arguably, but they need to understand the implications of working with one particular decision versus another as a team, because there are
0: implications. And and right there, when you mentioned about that, you know, like understanding the ZK Sync rollups, I think that's what... You- In my opinion, makes you so good at what you do design wise. That I think that is what makes this behavior or mindset that you have. I personally think it's one of the most essential things a designer has to have if they want to succeed in crypto. Is I'm gonna bet that like just like normally if you have nine to five working hours, I would bet that there are times after work, like the traditional after nine to five you might be reading some protocol you might be trying some new protocol you might be trying a competitor wallet whatever that is yeah yeah Yeah. and i have a
1: family as well and then and you know my wife isn't very happy often about me doing this and i (laughs) I do try to i mean that there is that as well it's like it's so full-on and it is 24 7. it's not like the stock market which closes at you know 4 p.m or whatever it's 24 days a week and it's quite hard to shut off so you know that is also something to to bear in mind i think if you're going to get into this space
0: and, and, and I'm so glad you're opening that up because, you know, I work in companies like Fortune 500 companies in regulated industries where, you know, like the clients are just, again, big behemoth companies like Boeing or Apple and their managers there. So a lot of times as a designer, you would wait for the product team or someone to involve you in a conversation. Right. Cause you're like, Oh, how am I going to fight all these battles, all these fiefdoms? And who cares? Like at the end of the day, I mean, designers may not accept, but this is, this is, this is the hard truth. A lot of times I would be sitting in the teams and the conversation would be like, Oh, who cares? Like at the end of the day, it's just some like six figure paid manager who's going to use these tools. So, I mean, if we fight this fight or not for them, like right now, who cares? Like it's, it's okay. It can wait the next day. But now in crypto, you're dealing with people's money. Like this is hardcore money that if, because of some stupid mistake or not good design, people can lose a lot of money. And I've, I've heard stories of people losing a lot of money because of just poor design. So would it be fair to say that when you're working at Argent and just taking this example, as a designer, you're not waiting to, for someone to say like, knock, knock. Hey, Graham, we're having this conversation over here. Do you want to get involved? uh, in this new design, or would you proactively get involved in conversations? I think, I think that's another, that's a good point as well. But
1: I, again, I, I apply this to, I apply this approach to any design. Like I don't really think it's specific to crypto. I have worked with designers that wait to be told what to do. And, but I've also worked with engineers that wait to be told, told what to do, you know, to, to developers and stuff. Um, and I find that the most effective people, the best designers and the best engineers are those that stick their oar in, curious, want to know. And yeah, we can be irritating sometimes when we do that. Um, on the one hand, it's kind of, it's irritating because if we're always asking questions, it's like, oh, you know, do I have to tell this person, you go through the kind of the, the process of explaining everything to them and stuff. But on the other hand, I'd far rather that someone wanted to know than ends up, kind of saying okay what what are we doing why are we doing that you know months later or don't really understand what it's about and stuff and um, i'd rather rather ask questions so yeah i think you do need to involve yourself and and designers especially in design has been undervalued in crypto from the start i think it's a very engineering heavy space and nfts aside where you've got kind of artists and designers and stuff getting involved where maybe that's starting to shift a bit it's more it's more on the art side to an extent and i think if you want to if you have a strong feeling about something or a concern about something you have to stick your oar in you have to speak up you can't just allow people to i mean there's something i tweeted just yesterday in fact i've tweeted something about um a debate that we're having inside argent right now uh, around whether we should surface the 24-hour price change of the tokens in the portfolio and I shared it on a few private groups as well with other designers. And my the reason I raised it was because I am concerned that twenty four hour price changes are bad for mental health. They make for bad trading decisions because actually your short term it encourages short term thinking, and people who over trade famously lose money. And so why do you need to see twenty four hour What if you just showed an all time return, which encourages? longer term thinking if you if you know over the all, all time I mean it could be could be a much deeper drawdown to be fair if you're in a if you, if you bought right at the top and you're a year into a bear market but but for the most part long term your investments go up and so this is this is my debate and you know a few people most people say well if you don't show people want to see the 24 hour return if you don't show they'll just go to a different app because they want to see 24 yeah. hour return every time I open the app I'll just see the same thing. So that's not, that's not very sticky. Um, and I get that, but it's, but again, I, I feel like I, I had this question. I had a concern around mental health and the impact of, of the decisions that I as a designer and we as a team make. And I could have just kept that. I could have just swallowed it and just not said anything because it's like, well, everyone else yeah. 24 hour returns. So we're just going to do the same thing, but I didn't. I raised it and we debated it. Um and we probably will end up going with twenty four hour returns just because that is genuinely what our customers want rightly or wrongly, but it's still playing in my head and i'm thinking okay how can i how can I find a way to encourage people to think more long term inside argent and and i'm and I'll be probably mulling that for months potentially until i i find a way to kind of to work that in um so I think as a designer, you have a responsibility to to listen to your your kind of internal voice and ask questions and get involved. If you don't understand something, ask. Yeah, so I mean, it's a long, long-winded long reply to that question, but.
0: And this dilemma that you raised, was it hard to recruit users for that? Like, let's say you're like, well, I, I really think that this 24-hour return is having a negative impact on the health. And you wanted to test that with potential users of Argent is it hard to recruit users like cuz i think about traditional user testing and user research you know you go to uh, there's lots of websites where you can like put your prototype up get people to give you feedback give them starbucks gift card but in specific terms to crypto is it easy is it hard for you to get users to give feedback um so to that to, to the specific point around the 24
1: hour return and whether that's the best uh, approach but i mean that that was really just a thought i would had just because we're yeah. starting to talk about what you know where, where we start to surface your profit and loss inside the app and um, which is a feature we're working on at the moment and so we haven't even done we've barely even done any prototypes gotcha. for that yet so i won't I, I haven't even kind of got around to usability testing it but it was more about the principle is it the right thing to do um and in this, in that particular case, I think to get a proper answer, you'd have to do a long-term study, really, because, yeah, you know, it, you don't, you'd have to go through kind of a cycle of a bear market, or, you know, see see if we do this, then, then we measure kind of, up, up. is is the majority of people's trades causing them to lose money, and is that linked to them opening the app, seeing a, a down day, and selling at the bottom, and yeah, I mean, I'm curious about. I think you'd need to do that on mass with larger data. It'd probably be more of a data-driven exercise than a usability test, because you wouldn't really be able to truly understand someone's behavior just by observing them opening the app once, true, on you know, at a random point in time. In, ter- in terms of general research and recruitment, what's cool about uh, crypto is that there are a lot of interest groups. There's a lot of Telegram groups and Discords, and there's Reddit and t- crypto Twitter, famously, infamously. and a lot of people that are really willing to try stuff out not least because they there's this whole airdrop phenomenon and if you try out if you're an early adopter in many cases you get airdrops so there's an incentive there and that doesn't mean that um you always get airdrops but there's always this possibility and so people are very willing to to try out so you can just i mean i just often just post in telegram groups and there is there are kind of there's a crypto testers telegram group there's 700 people in it. And um, and they're all often very willing to try stuff out. That's that's kind of why the group exists. And oh, wow. there's like a, a, a resource right there. You just post a message say who's up for this? And you usually get a dozen responses.
0: And I love that. I love the fact that you are actively spending time in these Discord channel, Telegram groups, understanding what the users want, bringing those insights back to Argent. I might butcher this code. Um, but just to paraphrase in one of our previous conversations, um, and pardon me if I got this wrong, you said something along the lines of, if you don't really understand what the user's problems are and you just create a product or just create something, then you're, you're more of like an artist. Like it's just art. It's your interpretation of what it should be. But to really be a product designer, not an artist, like to, to really like differentiate between just, just pure graphic design or just pure artwork versus product design work, you really have to understand the user problems and solve for that. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly right. Yeah. That was so mind-blowing to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we call ourselves designers. Design, how, does, how is design different from art? Well, it's because we're solving a problem. If we're not solving a problem then it's not design. Fine. and so and so then we <laughs> need to go back to okay if, we're, if there's a problem to solve we have to understand the problem well enough to be able to solve it and that's that's just how that's kind of how i see things so yes it means then i i tend to kind of go to the nth degree of understanding a problem um and maybe i sometimes go a bit deeper than i have to but it's you know i, I like to spend a lot of time with users i like to spend a lot of time in discord channels or, or usability testing um but also reading about the technology the reasons why maybe the engineers say well it's going to be really difficult to do what you've asked us to do so I kind of want to fully appreciate their position as kind of not not as not as users per se but they're also people right and that you know I'm asking them to do something and, and giving them hassle for for us not being able to to do what I'd like to do so I I feel it's really important to understand as many perspectives as possible, um from from my own team through to the end users, and and to kind of fully appreciate what I'm, what problems I'm trying to solve, and how best to solve them. And sometimes like, I'll come up with an idea with the engineering team and say, "Okay, well, what if we try this?" And they'll be like, "Actually, yeah, we could, do, we did it like that." You know, and, and none of the engineering team themselves have actually come up with that idea themselves. And so, by digging as a designer, really digging into and understanding the problem, like just occasionally, you can, you, you know, you may come up with a a solution that even the engineering team haven't thought of. Doesn't happen often, but I mean at a kind of a at a technology level as opposed to just at a UI level.
0: So love it. Here's another assumption that I have that it involves money. And I know it's touchy, but it's not just me. I'm probably sure there's a lot of designers out there who think that I want to join or I want to break into the crypto design world because there's a lot of money to be made. According to your perspective, how much of that is true, or maybe just over um What is your take on that?
1: Yeah, it's a difficult one. Really, there's a, there's a lot of money to be lost as well in crypto. As, as a, <laughs> you, if you're watching crypto Twitter right now, there are a lot of very sad, sad-looking faces and and negative-sounding tweets around. Um, I mean, I joined. I, I think I talked about this earlier. I joined argent because i really wanted to solve the ux problems that i had experienced going through icos and stuff in 2017 getting rid of seed phrases and all that i just thought it was all crazy and i also had this sort of ideology of having a go at changing kind of government and money from the outside so i was a bit ideological and a bit kind of that was my purpose really and it remains really that that remains my purpose and it was april 2018 that i joined argent and that was in that was full bear market um we'd come off the highs like just a a few weeks before basically and we were really oh crashing hard. so my portfolio was well and truly in the red um and i wasn't really joining for the money but that said there have been but by being involved so closely with the cutting edge of crypto there have been many, many opportunities, many of which I've missed entirely to my absolute chagrin. You know, like, like people and like crypto punks in, you know, I've, and like bored apes, all, all of us. <laughs> I was like, I was apes a bored too. I was espousing NFTs and saying NFTs. And basically, because OpenSea didn't work with Argent, I was kind of like, I don't really want to open MetaMask. It's not safe. I don't want to put crypto in MetaMask. So if it's not, if it's not working with Argent, then I'm not gonna do it. And so I, just, I passed on CryptoPunks, I passed on Bored Apes, um, I passed on like, getting involved in kind of some of the peoples and getting kind of onto Nifty Gateway. I was really, I was a bit too ideological and really anti-centralized services like Nifty Gateway and Makerspace and stuff. Um, and because of that, I am not a millionaire now. In fact, I'm not a multimillionaire. Even though I was well aware of them at the time, I really liked them actually i was really interested in them but it was literally just my own um i don't know if you call it arrogance or stupidity or just sort of laziness maybe a bit of all of that so so yes so i, I suppose that's kind of saying that there is potential money to be made in crypto it doesn't mean you will because it depends on all sorts of other factors but you if you're in the space 24 7 yes you will be exposed to opportunities left right and center some of which are full-on ponzi scams and if you put your money in you'll lose it all and some of which can 100x or a thousand x or in some cases a hundred thousand x so um yeah it's, it's pretty wild in that sense but overall i've done quite well like i've you know i've, I've I'm, I'm kind of quite happy with my position um but i'm not like i'm nothing like as successful as just want someone who bought one CryptoPunk, for example, like, you know, and I have friends that are in their, in their early twenties that just, you know, they just bought a couple of CryptoPunks and a Beeple early on and they just, re- they retired. <laughs> so like, oh my God. You know, it's like, how is that possible? You know, when I'm, when I'm full time in this space,
0: how do they do that? And I didn't. But, you know. It's so amazing. You bring that up when you said there's a lot of money to be lost and I've lost a decent amount of change in crypto. Yeah. So have I. Um, yeah. And I think people don't understand this is that while there's lots of opportunities to make money, there's lots of opportunities to lose money. And I do feel that being at the cutting edge of crypto exposes you to a lot of opportunities and potentially missing out on it as well. And one thing I just wanted to bring up, this is a side tangent, but I think it's so relevant because people listening to this might fear FOMO that, oh, Graham got into this in 2018 and stuff, but Yes, he also missed an opportunity. And likewise, when you said that, I, so I was collaborating with one of the um, uh, folks, so um, Abhinav, uh, he came on the show, a good friend, and he wanted to do like, he's a very famous YouTuber in India um, uh, in the design realm. And he wanted to do um, this like a, a daily show, um, just like a weekly YouTube stream, like daily YouTube stream on just NFTs and stuff and uh he pitched me the idea and i was like i don't know man like i'm i really wasn't into the nft space at that point i was in the decentralized finance space but i wasn't in the nft space i kind of like well now i already had this podcast going on so it was just like i don't know it just wasn't a convincing enough reason to kind of like do it just for 30 days and see how it goes because i was like we should like have a long-term goal anyways so i didn't do it and he did it solo and as part of that show to explain to people how to buy nfts guess what he bought? He bought two board Apes. <laughs> very nice. Yeah. Um, and Which is well, really awesome for him. And it's insane.
1: It's life-changing.
0: It, it is. Yeah. It is. And for me, I look at that decision and, you know, um, I had that moment where I was like, well, I missed out on that even though I, I had that someone tell me about it, right? Mm-hmm. But very recently, I was talking to a, a successful entrepreneur in Chicago. I was having dinner with him and, you know, I was talking to him. He's like, that's all if, but, could, should. He's like, yes, you're assuming that if you had bought it, you would have held on to it. What if you had just sold it when it just also, like, you bought yeah, it at exactly. 200 and yeah. sold it at yeah. 1,000? Who should know? What if the project didn't go as successful? So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very easy when you have a winning, something succeed, you just go back and just assume that you took all the right steps. So I know we went off on a tangent, but... Yeah, no, that's true. There's so many, even, even if you did, as you
1: say, there are so many steps to, um, to that. I mean, like with NFTs, it took me a while to realize that the the safest I think one of the safest ways to get into NFTs is is if you can get whitelisted you have to, you kind of you want to be on that on that early early kind of pre-sale list and and then you want to buy at least kind of three if you can and if you can you know obviously you want to do your research on projects but you've got to flip the first one flip one of those three as soon as you can to to make sure you you pay back the cost of of the purchase plus the gas and then you can just hold. And then in the, and then if you get a short term kind of bull run, as often that happens, there are lots of people that weren't in the pre-sale that want to buy and they'll buy higher. And so you can then wait until it kind of peaks out and then sell the second one. And then you have one to just hold for the, for the long term. Um, and that is something I've, I've not done, but I've sort of recently realized that actually that's definitely the best way to to do this i have other other friends that just go full degenerate into it and just buy loads and flip them and sell them and stuff (laughs) i think i think for the most part you know they've made quite a lot of money doing that but it's just too scary for me and my my original kind of the big part i didn't get into board apes was at the time not only because of it not working with argent and me needing to set up metamask and not wanting to but it was also at a time i was really determined to stack eth i really wanted to get as much eth as i possibly could and the thought of spending even kind of half an ETH or an ETH on a bored ape at the time was just was just like oh, you know, but this is this is precious <laughs> to me. I've been been had this goal for ages, and I'm going to be undermining my own goal if I do this. Obviously, you know, in hindsight, hindsight's a wonderful thing. But as you say, it could have, would have, should have. You know, that's not the way to think about it. I think the way to think about it is, if you have, it, it's it, uh, it's really it's Jeff Bezos regret minimization framework if you have uh, an opportunity in front of you and you ask yourself the question would i regret trying this and losing all of that money or not trying at all like would i regret actually not just giving it a go which one would i regret more then choose 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 the one you'd regret less just minimize your regrets and if at the time, you know, I look back and I think, well, if, if it had gone to zero, I would have been upset with myself. So I, Absolutely. I, and, I, yeah, and I made and I made the decision at the time, you know what, I'm not going to dive into this. And I've done the same thing recently with Doodles, and I'll, I'll probably regret it. You know, at the time when Doodles were about four and a half ETH, I didn't have the money, didn't have the ETH. Um, and then, like, I, I managed to do a couple of things. I managed to get, get that much ETH together, but at that point it was 10 ETH. I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shell out to anything. And it could, it could be the next board apes, but you know, but the risk reward goes, works against me. The higher that price goes, you know. So absolutely. Yeah. So it's a, it's a difficult one. I think you just every single opportunity you have to take it as it comes. I mean, I have a a short story about Shiba. I could have been a probably a billionaire with Shiba if I just put in like a thousand dollars or something because i, oh I was God. aware of it way before i mean this is so this these are the sorts of things as a designer of the opportunities that come along so we have a form on the argent website which allows teams to, that have released a token to put in their token information um and then i take that information and i i'll add it to the token service which puts the icon and the branding and the information about the token inside the argent app and shiba were one of the teams that uploaded this stuff way before anyone knew about them like right at the start it was, I don't know what the price of the token was. It was nothing. And um, I, look, I look through and I check all these tokens and I, I have a kind of a curio- curatorial approach to it. I'm like if it's really, really bad, I'm probably not going to bother or or I don't actually want to expose our user base to to that token. So I won't won't encourage it. And I looked at Shiba and quite frankly, I was like, what is this? This is just really dodgy. I'm not <laughs> going to touch it with the barge pile. Um And... You know, if I'd had the habit of maybe just putting in a hundred dollars to every single token that gets added to that list, <laughs> I, mean, I would have been oh extraordinarily wealthy. You know, to, <laughs> it, it's, not just, it's not just Shib. Actually, there's another one, Deep Dopex, as well. Um, they they filled in the form. Uh, I don't know when it was. Back in March, I think 2021, and I didn't. I ignored it, and and Dopex is now. I don't know how many. It's like a three thousand dollars per coin. And back then, it was like ten or something. So again oh i've like I have, I have missed out on opportunity after opportunity after opportunity um so again to go back to that question yes there are a lot of opportunities or there have been a lot of opportunities to get very very rich it doesn't
0: mean you're going to get very very rich it just means that there. but you're happy right now as i'm talking to you because your sole reason to get into the space was not just purely making money because I can see it if if someone having missed this many life changing opportunities right and and you have access front row, access to them you and and you you said you missed some of them, I've missed so many <laughs> it's ridiculous and i'm not I'm not even sure why like it's just you know it's just that's just how it's happened but yeah. that was not your main reason, so if someone got into the crypto space purely one hundred and percent just for money, yes, then I can see that that person would be very very sad right now so I'm just getting that realization I'm talking to Yeah, you. I mean, or
1: they could have been very, very, very happy. I mean, they may have been fully fully successful, I suppose. But yeah, as you say, it's not been my driving for, that's not been my driver at all. And um, and any money I have made or will make, it's kind of, yeah, it's great. And yeah, don't get me wrong, it would be nice to not have, to, to have, yeah. have you know, FU money, basically, and to not have to worry about yeah. anything ever again. But that, that ultimately, that's not why I'm here. You know, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm, ha- and I'm, I'm happy with my decisions. Um, and I, I'm also curious if at some point another one will come along, and I will make the, you know, the right, or well, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll spot it and do it, and, and it will work. It, 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 but it's more about curiosity. It's not, it's not a determination to kind of exhaustively look at every single opportunity and think I'm not going to miss the next one. You know, that that's just as crazy. That's just a, a, a great way to blow your mental health out of the water. So. Um, it's better just to accept it and and just enjoy
0: the, enjoy the ride, really. Love it. So how can designers who are in crypto and want to be successful like you, what are the right mindset or designers looking to break into crypto, how can they find you? How can they uh, get in touch with you? Uh, you can find me on
1: Twitter. I'm, I spend too much time on Twitter. Itamar hasn't said anything yet, but maybe he'll watch this and say, <laughs> yeah. I've noticed actually <laughs> you're spending too much time on Twitter. Get back to work. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Twitter mainly is probably the best place. Yeah. Uh, my gotcha. Twitter is Graham Blackwood. So it's just, yeah, I'd probably
0: probably share it, I guess. Yeah, I'll be including that in the show notes. Just want to say thank you so much, Graham, for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Um, I hope it's been helpful to, the, to your listeners. And um, yeah, do anyone if they ever want to get in touch or ask a question or um yeah or share anything please just ping me i'm always open i always love chatting absolutely
0: if you made it this far you are what i call a design mba super fan and i've got a gift for you my super fan head over to DesignMBA.show where you will find my email address Email me one thing you learned from this podcast episode and I will get on a 30-minute call with you and help you in your career goals. See you in the next episode.